Avon Garth of Storytime. I'm Cherie Hardy, and today I will continue reading M.C. Higgins the Great. This book was written by Virginia Hamilton. I'm going to start on page 47, where we left off. All right, Lewis said. His voice was a hoarse whisper. He turned up the canteen, pressing it on his parched lips. He took a small swig and then another. Lordy, he whispered, and then he drank. When he had finally finished, M.C. filled the canteen again and screwed the top on tight. Lewis quickly opened the second leather case he carried and took out four sandwiches wrapped in cellophane. He lined them up on the ground. I've got two egg salad and two ham and cheese, he said quietly to M.C. You are welcome to have either kind with me. M.C. couldn't think when he had had an egg salad sandwich. He knew he wasn't to take food or anything else from strangers. He's a friend, M.C. thought. I'll have an egg salad, he said. You better have the other egg salad or it will spoil. Save the two ham and cheese. I don't have food to give you. I'll just do that, Lewis said. M.C. had to hurry and eat the delicious egg salad, then scoop back up the pole in order to watch the children. He told the dude this. You can't call it watching them, not from way here, can you? Lewis asked. Watch them every day, M.C. said. I mean, what if something was to happen to them, Lewis said. M.C. shook his head. He gobbled the food and drank water directly from the pitcher. Shortly after, he returned the pitcher to the house. When he came back, he said, I have to go up. You going to stay? No, Lewis said. Think I'll come on, go on, see what I can find. But I'll be back this evening. Mama will be here. You tell her I'm coming, will you, son? I sure will tell her, MC said. You think she'll be too tired to sing, Lewis asked. She sings every night, MC said. Lewis smiled. Then she knows she's good. No sense pretending she's not, MC said. Well then, Lewis said, I'll see you later on. MC shimmied up his pole, saying so long to James K. Lewis. At the top, he settled on the bicycle seat, staring out on the expanse of hills. Below him, Lewis still sat, munching on his sandwich. Across from Sarah's, something glinting caught MC's eye. It sparkled in the sun, and it was moving, half hidden by foliage. He watched it, curious for a moment, because he couldn't identify what was glinting and moving. Suddenly, it was gone. I thank you for the water, James Lewis called up to him, squinting into the sun. He looked up at the dark form of M.C. 40 feet above him. Hope you don't mind if I just rest here a while longer. Get up my energy. Sure, M.C. said, Mallon. And thank you for the sandwich. Better be careful, though, M.C. told him. Saw something. I can't figure moving out there. He had only wanted to sound important like the dude. But then he paused, remembering the morning and the nice kind of surprise he had discovered on the path to home. He had to smile. What kind of something? Lewis called. There's some girl out there, MC said. Saw her early just walking along. Some new kind of girl. And just now I saw something shiny, but I don't see it now. Don't know if it's the girl for sure. You have any protection against girls, he laughed. <laughs> The dude smiled up at MC. Is she a pretty little thing with a backpack? Sure, a green backpack. MC said, you know her? Why, yes, the dude said. 
She's my ride. What? My ride, my ride. She brought me into Harrington. She's got a little car. Pick me up on the road. Oh, MC said. He was both disappointed to hear that the dude had no automobile and that the girl was old enough to drive one. Nice kind of little girl, the dude said. Just moving around. Kind of moody, though, trying to figure things out. I guess. Now, was she bothering you, son? MC could not hear the amusement in Lewis's voice. If I see her, I'll tell her she's bothering you, Lewis said. Shoot, MC said and snickered. Lewis laughed. Later, he gathered up his canteen, the tape recorder, and the leather sandwich case. MC heard him scramble and strain his way up the slope of Sarah's mountain. Why the dude felt he had to climb up in order to get down was beyond MC's understanding. Guess up is easier than down for him, MC thought. He never did see the dude climb out over the gully at the foot of Sarah's. He'll make it all right, MC told himself, and then hope that girl gets lost. He studied the hills but could see no one, not even a glint. Then I'll have to find her and lead her by the hand. Smugly, he turned his face to the sky and swung his gleaming pole into the stifling air. Chapter 3 MC called an odd, impelling yodel over to the lake in the cirque about a minute before the steel mill whistle blew for lunch. Yaddle-o! Yodel-a! Delay-de-o! He gave it off with time enough for it to echo around the hills. He knew it was a peculiar sound and hoped the dude out there somewhere could hear, get an idea of how his mama would sound. MC heard his throat too, pitching the yodel high and loud enough to outdistance the sounds drifting from the river and out from Harrington. Other yodel cries echoed ordinary, as commonplace as horns of riverboats, mothers calling their children home, and children yodeling sassy answering back. Only MC's yodel seemed to spread out over the hills with a rolling yearning, minor cadence. It caused his brothers and sisters to pause. From the surf, they looked over to Sarah's mountain. MC swept his arms slowly out and back to his chest, motioning the children home. He wasn't certain they could see him in the midst of the trees, but he could see them. He saw his sister, Macy Pearl, stamp her feet and shake her legs like a young pony ready to break loose. The mill whistle rose like a welt on the air as the three Higgins children moved away from the cirque and lake. MC kept them in sight until they disappeared through scrub trees of a pass through hills. He waited with arms folded over his chest. Sitting so still, he looked like a totem, but he held close the excitement of the dudes coming and going. He actually felt peaceful knowing that Mr. James K. Lewis would come again. I won't mind leaving, he said to himself. Never seen a big city like Chicago. Never seen any kind of big city. Get me a prairie dog for a pet. It took MC's brothers and sisters nearly half an hour to break out of the shrub trees and come down over the hill across from Sarah's. In a ragged line, they disappeared in the gully and emerged again. They scrambled up the side of the mountain. MC watched them come. Macy Pearl was in the lead, not because she was fastest, 
or in the most hurry, or because she was the smallest and liked to pretend she was the biggest. They came out of the undergrowth of Sweetbriar and raced across the yard to stand near MC's pole. Macy Pearl leaped up on the car fender. Her knees were scabby and already scraped and bleeding again. It hurt MC to see her spindly legs always so full of scratches and he didn't have not one piece of adhesive tape or bandage. Leaning far out from the fender, she jumped and tried to climb MC's pole. Scratchy, hungry bird, she couldn't get a firm grip on the smooth, gleaming steel. MC, it's cold as ice, she called. How come your pole never get warm up there in the sun? It'll warm up by evening, MC said. Stay warm almost till morning. Now leave it alone. Let me climb. It went on big, his brother Harper asked. Let me sit up here and pedal and make the pole move. When you're way big as me, MC said. They all looked up at him, shielding their eyes from the full, the sky full of burning light. They could see only the blackened figure of him against the blue, swaying with the strange and marvelous rhythms of the pole. They believed the pole moved by pedaling, but the pedals and wheels were not of any use. It had been MC's fancy to make the children cherish the pole even more than they would have by putting shiny wheels and hard-looking pedals on it. He had never taken the time to figure out why he had needed them to cherish it, but he guessed he just wanted them to love it the way he loved it. Only prize I ever won, he thought. Sure will hate leaving it. You will all get inside, he yelled down. Lenny, you set the table, he told his youngest brother. Jones is coming. MC called his father Jones to get himself in a mood for play and to get himself ready to soften up Jones in order to tell him about the dude. The children hurried inside. The vague grind and hum of mining machines drifted out of the hills had ceased toward the lunch hour. Most of the time, MC was conscious he had been hearing their noise only after it stopped. Now it was quiet behind Sarah's mountain, and all around, except for the sound of cars, heard from Harrington. Somewhere in the flatter land to the west, there was a super shovel twenty stories high, and moving closer, some said. MC had never seen it. Wonder if it's real. All right, boys and girls, I'm going to stop here, and I will just continue reading MC Higgins the Great until the story is all finished. I hope you enjoyed this. Take care and have a good day.